Good morning, you are listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. I could listen to that all day. This is a show that covers health and well-being through connection to people, people in our community and people beyond who share with us their experiences, their choices and consequences and regardless of their age, their innate wisdom. By discerning and getting a sense of what is transferable from what these guests share, we can choose to apply the relevant aspects in our lives and in our community and develop programs that found a more sustainable and loving and heartfelt way to be with each other, thereby improving our physical and our mental health. This week's show on Stay in the Loop with Lucy covers our relationship with something we all do to varying degrees of success, even sometimes taking it for granted. There is a growing concern through the subject of today's show, that, and it is turning into a public health concern. Our topic for today is sleep. Now, insufficient sleep has been linked to motor incidents. In the US, the National Federation, sorry, the National Department of Transportation estimated drowsy driving to be responsible for 1,550 fatalities, 1,550 fatalities, and 40,000 non-fatal injuries annually. Those statistics are from 2011, and I can pretty much guarantee that they will have gone up by, um, by 2017. Industrial disasters, medical and other occupational errors, as well as insufficient sleep are being linked to chronic diseases such as high blood pressure, diabetes, depression, obesity, cancer, low quality of life and reduced productivity. So the cost, the on cost to our, our personal health and our health system is enormous. So why do we not pay more attention to this large part of our 24-hour cycle? 
Without further ado, let's welcome our guests today, Dr. Rachel Mascord and Emma Spencer. Emma is a clinical psychologist who works, um, who specializes in mindfulness-based therapy modalities. She practices in the field of clinical psychology for 14 years and, and specializes in children and adolescents, as well as adult psychopathology and works at the Wattle Seed Healing Center in Hornsby. Welcome. Good Emma. morning. Hello. And Dr. Rachel Mascord has 23 three years of clinical experience working as a dental practitioner in Sydney and regional New South Wales. She's taught general pathology to undergraduate dental students. Rachel also has a passion for science, especially the science of biology cells and all living processes and their cycles, of which sleep is a major part. Welcome, Rachel. Good morning, Lucy. Let's start with you, Emma. What is your relationship? What has your relationship been like with sleep to date? Uh, I have small children, so I don't have a better relationship with sleep. <laughs> you therefore represent all new mothers and working mothers. Welcome. It's true. It's true. Um, so for me, um, yeah, in the last little short time of my life, it's kids that have really kind of impacted. But previous to that, um, I, you know, outside of even periods of stress associated with study and that kind of thing, um, I can tend to ha have like wake full hours during the night yeah, uh, and they can go on for sort of two or three hours and I tend to then fall asleep about five o'clock ready to wake up an hour later. Mm. Um, so for me, yeah, I, I don't have a problem going to sleep and I don't have nightmares and that sort of thing, but I can can have those wakeful hours in the middle of the night. And that's usually associated, and this happens for lots of people, it's, it's usually associated if you get woken up in sort of a shallow sleep cycle yeah. where you've had a few hours, so you wake up and um, you're alert. Yeah. And you just have to kind of hang out until you can go back to sleep. Yeah. So, so yeah, and I guess professionally, um, working with kids, I'm, I'm typically working with at least one client, um, a child client who suffers from sort of sleep anxiety. Mm -hmm. I've always have one of those on my sort of books at any time. And then adults as well and teenagers suffering from, from um, stress and lack of sleep, adults with trauma and depression and bipolar where sleep is a real issue um, as part of their disorder but also um, causative at times or yes. certainly you know precipitating and, and maintaining their, their illnesses. That is something we'll come back to because definitely in all the research I've done, there is a cause and effect and both can cause and both can be an effect Absolutely. and symptom. So yep. that is something we'll come back to. Rachel, yes. now you are, have obviously been on the show before talking about sleep with me, but um, can you give us a high level brief update of, you know, how you see it maybe in your personal and your professional life? Sure. So in my personal life, I'm just sitting here wishing I'd met Emma when I was a child. <laughs> um, I now I'm a fairly good sleeper, although at the moment I'm going through a period of quite intense stress that's work related. Yes. And my sleep falls off again. Mm. But I'm not the person that's the wakeful sleeper. I don't fall asleep. Right. And uh, my first experiences with insomnia started when I was about seven years old. And I would literally have a complete sleepless night. Mm. And I so relate to sleep anxiety because uh, that lying in bed when you can't sleep and you feel like everyone else in the universe is asleep except for you, mm. it's the most oppressive feeling. And it can actually build up to quite a pitch uh, of anxiousness mm. and fear. And then you get to a point you actually even dread going to bed. 
And I remember doing all sorts of things to distract myself and exhaust myself till one in the morning, two in the morning, and then being absolutely strung out and exhausted, going to bed and then lying there for the rest of the night awake. Mm. So anyone who goes through that, uh, my heart goes out to you because it's a pretty miserable thing. But thankfully, I've developed a much more lovely relationship with sleep. And even now when I go through those difficult times, I know that there are things I can do to just um, not get into that terrible frantic state. Mm. I know that a lot of people I've spoken to this week, because I always kind of do a, a bit of, you know, normal research. When I know a show's coming up, I'll just talk to everyone and anyone that I come across doing like this straw poll. You know, how's your sleep? What are the issues? Um, what are you finding? You know, are they symptoms of X, Y, or Z? And uh, sleep apnea has come up a lot this week. Um, kidney illnesses come up all the time when people talk about poor sleep so kidney stones and yeah. kidney issues which is quite fascinating um but there is what we've clearly worked out here and i would put myself in probably emma's camp that you can be woken up when you get past the deep sleep into the light part of your sleep uh, and that can be nervous energy and it can be like your nervous tension or your mind busyness and you, you wake up and you're by something innocuous like a bird or a car alarm, house alarm or something moving in the house and all of a sudden you're awake. Bladder. Yeah, bladder. <laughs> Man, the bladder. Um, and then there is the anxiety of going to sleep and they're two very different ones but they, they both equally have the same anxiety level uh, and consequence during the daylight hours. So we will um, come up with tips and, and maybe bring some understanding through this show as to why both of those things might happening might be happening. We can also talk about the importance of actually getting on top of it, that please don't ignore sleep issues. It's really important that we don't say just because we haven't got a diagnosable illness that is, um, you know, leading to mortality, you know, that's related to our mortality, that actually it isn't a problem. Sleep really is a problem and, and the World Health Organization are very much seeing this as that. And sleep apnea is a very, um, a very big problem now. And mm. it's something that, strangely enough, dentists can help diagnose. Wow. Uh, we see the outplay of sleep apnea and the way it affects people's teeth. Uh, of course, it also affects the entire quality of life with very strong associations with heart disease and diabetes. And that's something that if you're suspicious, you might have sleep apnea. I would recommend to anyone that they get a sleep study. Mm. absolutely crucial that's a serious condition and it's not one to trivialize like it okay we're going to go to a quick break um, and then we're going to have a bit of an upbeat song because actually i am going to manage i'm going to play dj this morning with some chill out songs so by the last song you are going to be so chilled out because it's about stillness so you know just prepare yourselves listeners i'm just going to let you know that we're just slowly we're going to start quite upbeat and then slowly we're going to introduce how to you know how music can help you slow down your your physiology not and your brain not just you know not just entertain us. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. I am here with um, Emma. Welcome, Emma. Thanks, Lucy. And Rachel. Welcome, Rachel. Hello. We're talking about the magical world of sleep. 
I tell you, coming up with the title for today's show, there were just so many words, so many expressions. I had to sleep or not to sleep. That is the question. <laughs> <laughs> to sleep. That yes, is the answer. <laughs> that is the answer. That's right. To sleep and wake up and ponder for four hours before one is able to re- regain one's <laughs> sense of sleep. Or does one keep going and just go very gently in one's day and then actually go to sleep uh, in a different way before that night? <laughs> So many different options. Okay, so in this section, we are going to talk about um, sleep quite honestly. We're going to say, you know, um, it makes us foggy and grumpy. We know that. But there are actually far more serious consequences. And, you know, in our life, it might be small. We might not have a job where being alert all the time is is life-threatening for other people. But a doctor... They do have a job where they have to be alert. Um, Someone who works on a building site, crucial that they are alert and on the ball. Um, Just a couple of headlines of, of places where someone hasn't been very alert with massive life consequences was the Chernobyl disaster. That was down to someone having sleep, you know, being very tired. Um, Exxon Valdez oil spill. I mean, the the, disa- the natural disaster of both of those, let alone the human cost. Mm. Um, the driving statistics mentioned earlier. I mean, you know, I remember I went to university in the north of England um, and it was a four-hour drive from my home. And I, because it was such a long way on such busy motorways, I decided to leave um, usually very late at night. I wasn't quite in the headspace to leave very early in the morning then. And I would really struggle. I'd have to have the windows down. I, 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 I'm confessing a little something here. I had <laughs> Kylie, Minogue, Kylie Minogue blaring out the windows. I'd be singing at the top of my voice. You know, you should be so lucky over and over again to keep me awake. But how dangerous is that? Like looking back on it now, it's not funny. No. Oh, it's not funny. No. I mean, the, the easy... I noticed that they started raising the cat's eyes in the roads to give the warning sign that yes. you're going out of your lane. Oh, you make that da-dunk, da-dunk the dunk, da dunk, da dunk, da dunk. And yeah. uh, on the inside lane in Australia, they've got the fantastic white lines which are ridged. Mm. So yes. it's actually a, you're in serious danger now. It's, it's like boom, 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 boom. It's not like boom, 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 or as as we're used to when we go over the the um, cat's eyes. This is the really pay attention and. Sometimes, if you're not going too fast, that can pull you back and you can save yourself in time and the people in your car and whoever else is on the road. And other times, no. I I don't think we take the idea of the micro sleep Mm -mm. seriously enough Mm. because literally it comes upon you and you don't, you just have no warning really that it's coming. Yeah. Children in school get them when they zone out, don't they? I mean, it would be really interesting to do a sleep study on how when someone is distracted and when they're actually having a a micro-sleep in the Mm. classroom. I find it really interesting, Lucy, what you're saying about, you know, you'd think you'd you'd kind of drive late into the night to get where you want. And that happens. A lot of people are wanting to do things. Oh, I'll just stay up late. I'll go to bed later and get things done. But on a biological level, the sleep that you get before midnight actually has more restorative um, effect than the sleep after midnight. So for every hour that you sleep before midnight is almost equivalent to two hours rest Whoa. of anything after midnight. I love that. And so 
I talked to people about that and I sort of say, look, if, if you're needing to get things done, you're needing to get somewhere, you're going on holidays, you're studying, you're working, whatever it is, go to bed early, get some rest. If you can get five to seven hours earlier and you're up early, that is a lot better on your body. Yeah. Getting up early is no one's cup of tea. No. But we seem to think staying up late is is kind of an okay And we champion choice, it, but yeah. It's not. Oh, you're speaking my language here because I know that my body, from the moment I cut out sugar or became aware of when I was eating in the evening, which was just, you know, came into my awareness probably 15 years ago when someone said, well, just pay attention to what you're eating um, after six o'clock and whether you're hungry or whether actually you're you know, eating to stay awake. Mm. And I found that I was eating to stay awake. And when I, I mean, it's only in the last six months that I've actually been able to cut sugar completely from my diet and found out medically that my body just doesn't tolerate it at all, that I have realized I can't, I've really struggled to stay awake after nine o'clock and half past eight would be my body's. If I was, you know, living without lights and stimulation, my body would want to go to sleep at 8.30. Yep. Mm. And I'm really happy to wake at 3.34 in the morning. I have to go slowly and gently. I can't suddenly, you know, get up and do an exercise routine at that hour, but my body likes that. Yeah. Mm. But you must see, I mean, I've, I work with teenagers, as you do, in, in um, high-stress situations, coming up to the exams, um, feeling like they've got to get their assignments done. I don't know very many who will subscribe to, to my model of saying, you know, go to sleep early, wake up early, and you'll be right there. You know, the, the cylinders actually fire better in that morning. Is that what you find with the young people that you're talking oh, to yeah. about sleep? Oh, yeah. They're all, they're all cramming the night before. Yeah. Uh, but there's also your social media they keep up with as well ah. in the night. <laughs> so um, there's a lot of distractions for young people, um, school age, yeah. which, is it, which are interfering with them going to sleep. Um, yeah. I'll tell you a little story. I did a year seven group on Friday and we got round to the subject of sleep. And this one girl goes, oh, well, you know, I, if I went to sleep early, I would not be able to watch the YouTube videos that I want. We wouldn't have the group chat. And, um, you know, I, I, I'd miss out. That's right. Yes. They call it FOMO. FOMO. I have FOMO. Fear of missing out. Yeah. 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 It's, it's massive. It's a real thing. Um, I think, uh, in a way, we have to understand it and not um, belittle it because I think that's part of what they have in their era that I didn't have in my era. So um, I, I respect you for what you have to, you know, how you have to work with these young people because when they get to you, they're actually psychologically needing quite a lot of support. Oh, yeah, because I guess, I guess in our era... It was the television shows, yes. you know, but the television shows that we would watch were typically programmed for that eight thirty slot. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah, and that so you'd watch the... a show as long as you'd caught up on that. You yeah. could go and you'd be part of the conversation. Yeah, uh, that was happening the next day. And they were about half an hour, weren't they? They weren't oh, half hour an hour long. Right now. Or, I think you yeah, know, like nine oh two one oh was sort of yeah, you know, and they didn't have the hour. level of violence and mental stimulation that they do now. I mean, there, there are distinct changes in media. Absolutely. Oh yeah. And the, yeah, and kids, you know, they've got Netflix, they've got yeah. YouTube, they've got the social chats that are going on, they've got yeah. whatever it is that's happening and yeah. it's, there, there isn't any restriction no. on it yep. because it's available all the time. Yeah. Yep. I often say to my kids, no uh, technology in your bedroom mm -hmm. and, you know, um, I inevitably 
will find them watching Netflix in their room on their computer because they're exhausted and they're lying in bed or they don't feel too crash hot and they actually want some on their own time. And I get all of that, but then I look at it and go, yeah, but you're watching it in your bed, which means you're less likely to know when to to listen to your body when it's tired and turn it off. That's that's like oh sorry, you, I was going to say it, you're blurring the purpose of what a bed is for. Absolutely, mm. yeah. That's like our first step is yeah. no televisions in the bedroom. Mm. Bed is for sleep and sex. That's it. Yes, yes. making love. <laughs> we are going to talk about libido fairly shortly. Get the mother gay out. We're going to have to go to some music before we Spin go to libido because, you know, we're just going to take a little bit of time there. But, you know, I think what we're hitting is absolutely right here. And, you know, um, to recap, we need to make sure we, we learn how to not blur the lines with what our bed is for and our bedroom mm-hmm. and what other rooms in the house can be used for. And if, we, if, if there are people listening who have um, sleep issues, this is part of sleep hygiene. This is if you truly, truly want to be honest with yourself and make a change, then these are really valuable tips about how you can do that that have worked for us and we know work for others. So obviously, totally your choice. You can still stay doing what you're doing. But if you truly do want to change, then maybe consider some of these tips as being potentially life-changing. Now, obviously, both of you, when we, when we um, go back to how you both studied, you know, you studied as a, a clinical psychologist. That is a very long process. It's mm. a very big uh, mental um, um, uh, brain extraction. I mean, I could just full on. Yes. Right. Very mental. Not yep. very body orientated, very mental orientated. Yeah. Yeah. Rachel, you studied as a dentist. We know that they have the highest rates or one of the highest rates of suicide of any Correct. professions. Yes. Both of them, we, we, we could probably put the doctors in here as well, have, have um, organizations who don't prioritize sleep um, on the level that they probably should, bearing in mind their profession and helping others to do that. How did you both cope? Did you both ignore your body's signs or, or have you learnt since that actually you couldn't keep that level of work-study balance? Well, for myself, I basically destroyed myself as a student because all I was interested in were the results. Wow. Get good results. It doesn't matter what you do to yourself. And I look back now and go, oh, my goodness, how can that? How can you even get to that point of mm. thinking that's reasonable? So by the time I graduated from university, I was 23, and I was uh, completely exhausted and shot and very quickly developed a coffee and almond croissant addiction. I <laughs> <laughs> was so familiar oh, with so oh, many of those almond croissants. <laughs> Just to get through the day. Yeah. And um, very quickly developed a sugar habit. Yeah. And that's essentially how I carried on for all of my working life until I hit a point of absolute, utter, complete burnout. Yep. I was destroyed, exhausted and demoralised and deeply depressed. Mm. Oh, it's just, it's such a familiar story. The, the um, coping mechanisms we use to deny the fact that we're tired or to cope with the fact that we're tired. So caffeine and sugar mm. are two massive ones. And you, you got, you, you ticked the box. You got a first and you actually got a medallion, didn't you, from Sydney mm. University. I mean, couldn't really do much better. 
and but, still wasn't good enough. But uh, okay, but that's part of the yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's part of that whole cycle. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Because yes. you are never, you are never good enough. And again, the caffeine and the sugar uh, masks all of those psychological symptoms as well. Mm. So you just blast through and say, oh, I'll, I'll put that in the back drawer and deal with that another time. Well, they're very rewarding, you think. Mm. You know, when you feel wretched in your body, what body? Because really you're just a, a brain mm. walking around that happens to have a body underneath it. Mm. And as long as you're producing good work and you're making your patients happy, and you're satisfied with the quality of your work, the quality of your life doesn't register. Wow. It, it, and it kind yeah. of, like, to me, the coffee and the sugar, it's kind of like anything when those are, they're kind of like treating symptoms. Hmm. But underneath the chronic tiredness and the sleep um, that you're not getting continues. It's kind of like with anything. So you, you develop a level of normal for those symptoms that you're seeing, you, just you put a topical them. cream on and yeah. then underneath you've got this, what sounds like a volcano waiting to erupt. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely a chronic health condition. So the, the caffeine, so the way that caffeine works is our body all day, as it's, as it's burning energy, produces a chemical called adenosine. And that, that chemical is what, when it builds up in our bodies, is what causes us to feel sleepy in the nighttime. Okay. That and melatonin. So a lot of even children that I'm seeing at the moment are being prescribed melatonin by their GPs. Goodness me. I have children who are coming in on a heavy antipsychotic medication, anti, um, yeah, Coetzeroquel for sleep. Like when, yeah. I, when I was training, that, that, was that, that particular drug, and I'm not questioning doctors prescribing this, that particular drug was only used in the most severe like yep. trauma clients that I was working yep, with. Or, yep. So I've got kids coming in on these. But anyway, so when we sleep, that adenosine, part of what goes on is that our brain cleans that out of the cells in the brain because it kind of collects there. So if it, we're not so sleeping... It clears out the adrenosol. The ade- adenosol. Yeah, so adenosine. that, that okay. is building up all day. That's what makes yeah. us feel sleepy yeah. plus the melatonin. Yeah. Um, and that then the body goes through a process of cleaning that out oh. for the next day. So when we're not sleeping, yeah. we're not going through that... We're not cleaning it wash out. ...wash cycle. Mm, and so yes. then the next day what happens is we drink the coffee and the way the coffee works is it blocks the brain's receptors of adenosine. That's how coffee works. So we don't feel sleepy because the coffee, the caffeine's in the way. So it's, it's just masking the problem. So we're still, t- we're still tired. We've yeah. still got all of these other chemicals building up. Yeah. But we're not clearing it out, uh, which is a, a massive issue and then and then add sugar i mean i just think sugar's the devil it, i agree <laughs> yes i agree but we we're looking for the sugar and the complex carbs usually mm-hmm. the the starchy carbs for the energy because we're exhausted and the body's saying you're making me keep going i need more fuel this is the fuel that's gonna give me that quick short burst that i need yeah. um but it's not nutritional no it's short lasting it's really the way that our body metabolizes these products um it leads to obesity, um, all sorts of things. All getting sorts in, of getting in the way. Issues, a lot of those, yeah. those carbs get in the way of us being able to absorb the nutrients we need yes. from fruits, veggies, everything. So those two particular drugs that we use to cope with not sleeping, not only do they not just mask it, they also add to the problem and create more problems. Emma, I love that you're calling them drugs. Oh, they too, absolutely Because are. that's exactly how they work yes. on the body. Yep, sugar and caffeine. 
100%. Acceptable drugs that we don't feel need regulation. Correct. Ouch. Okay, well, that is, that is a serious dose of reality there. Um, we're going to go to some community service announcements so everyone can process that because that's really quite huge and I really love the fact that you called it out for what it is. Um, we've got a sleep debt, a sleep debt that is out of control. 100%. You are listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and Stay in the Loop with Lucy. I thought that was slightly appropriate. I was going to put another song on, but then I looked over and saw Duran Duran had a, a song that was titled Come Undone, which is, I think, perhaps what some people who are listening to this might be doing. <laughs> <laughs> Our old behaviours might be coming undone. It's certainly unravelling some of mine. And, you know, we were saying off air how important it was that we talk about what the body's natural processes are so that we can understand the harm that we do when we override them. Because our body is super good at communicating what it needs, when it needs, and why it needs what it needs. And yet we've kind of given so much uh, kudos to the brain, who is, which is, as far as I can see, a master manipulator. Like I could tell myself how much I need sugar and how much I need that salted cracker or how much I need, you know, whatever it is that I want to put in my mouth. And um, my body will be going, uh, no, you physically, I mean, sometimes it's an allergy, you physically cannot eat that. Don't or, do it. Yeah, don't do it. All right. So in this section, we are actually just going to touch um, a little bit on some of those her- uh, serious health problems. Um in the short amount of research that I did, and I understand that I could easily do a PhD on this, there's heart disease, heart attack, heart failure, irregular heartbeat, had that, high blood pressure, stroke, diabetes. It's estimated that 90% of people with insomnia also have another health condition, which we have all talked about this morning. Sleep apnea and snoring is a major indicator it's been linked to dementia and they're looking at how, uh, you know, how long-term sleep issues are related, which is new research, but very important, valuable research. Um, kidney stones. Uh, a lot of people who have kidney stones also have very poor sleep hygiene. I was reading an article in the London Times on why grown-ups, I mean, classic, classic title. I'll put it on the on the blog site. Why grown-ups need a proper bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't agree more. <laughs> and there are a couple of points that rang really true for me. Um, uh, this one, uh, a physiotherapist, the physiotherapist, okay, I'll get this word right in a second. Hold on, tongue-tied. The physiotherapist explained to me that when we're not getting the quality of sleep that we are, that we require, our nervous system has to step in to take over, which can lead to nervous exhaustion and eventually fibromyalgia, my life in a nutshell. Now, how interesting is that? Mm. You know, yeah. it's so many of our disciplines, our health disciplines, they know, they see in their daily work the consequences of sleep deprivation. Well, we've got to remember too that when the nervous system is called on chronically, you know, the nervous system is great when you have a short burst of something very bad happening. So if you're trying to cross the road and you suddenly notice a car driving at you out of control and yeah. at ridiculous speeds, you need a good nervous system firing yeah. and a burst of adrenaline yeah. to get yourself out of the way. The problem is most of us, even though we no longer live in, you know, what we deem to be a frightening society, in other words, you know, saber-toothed tiger, tiger yeah. and, and clubbing it over the head times, yeah. 
The problem is most of us are living on nervous tension all the time and it has an impact on your adrenal glands. And the minute you hit one gland in the endocrine system, it's going to flow through and affect the others. So, for example, we have significant numbers of people with hypothyroid conditions or hyperthyroid conditions. And, you know, all of these things we have to take into account if we're going to have a conversation about sleep. I was reading uh, an article which quoted Hermann Hesse, who's a German-born Swiss poet, painter and artist, and he wrote On Little Joys. It was a little book, um, but it was more than a century before our present times, okay? So this is way before the nervous way of living and the anxiety and stress that we have now. And he wrote, Great masses of people these days live out their lives in a dull and lifeless stupor. Sensitive persons find our inartistic manner of existence oppressive and painful and they withdraw from sight. I believe what we lack is joy. The ardour that a heightened awareness imparts to life. The concept of life as a happy thing, as a festival. But the high value put upon every minute of time, the idea of hurry hurry as the most important objective of living is, unquestionably, the most dangerous enemy of joy. Wow. It's Mm. interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And we've only got worse. We have only got worse. And I'm sure there were philosophers in Greek times, in Roman times, and going back to Egyptian and so on and so forth. My arm can't go back far enough in the room to describe how far back they go. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we have... This has been going on for lifetimes, and we're still not learning. Stress, Stress is not good for us, and yet there is a level of normal that we've taken... That is um, really self-abusive. Well, I, I see it as being like a mouse on a wheel. And the mouse has been on the wheel from time immemorial. But instead of getting off the wheel, it just keeps running faster. As though if I can somehow get ahead of myself far enough, yeah. then I'll be able to rest. I know that's mm. an illusion I've had. Yeah, how often do you see this, Emma? Um, I'll just do this and then I'll rest. Oh, it's not, yeah, and then there's the next, oh, oh yeah, and then I'll do that. There's about ten things to be just done, one after the other. Yeah. Uh, before. I'll sit down and have a cup of tea after I've done five things on my list. Yep. Yeah, it's, we, we really deprioritise rest and sleep. Self-care. Oh. And I, I think I, re- I really, really like I like that analogy of the mouse, but I I also do think that the wheel is being turned faster too. I mm-hmm. agree. Yeah, so it's like we're trying to cut. It's it's like an external and internal pressure. It's the both both Correct. forces. So how do we? Maybe this is you know where we kind of say how do we opt out of that without opting out of life because we need to be engaged in life if we didn't do this radio show there might be someone out there who hadn't even contemplated half of the things we're talking about who wouldn't have known about the physiological um, hormones that you know that we're we're negating we're ignoring so you know this as far as i'm concerned is my engagement with life Mm. um you know and yet i could sit there and go I'm exhausted. This adds a lot of work to my week. You know, I've got to go home and edit. It's just all too hard. I'll stop. So there's a balance, isn't there, between checking out and hiding in life and building a way of living that supports us to stay engaged in life. It it comes down for me, Lucy, when I work with people 
on this question because this is a question that people come in with. I have all of these things, yeah, blah blah blah, but they're not they're not all important. And when mm. I say important, what I mean is it comes down to values. Okay. So what what for you is what you want to be about in life? Mm. What do you value? What is the authentic you? And what things fit in with that in the different aspects of your life? So it might be in relationships, at work, study, um, health, leisure. So there's sort of different kind of areas within our life. And and, and what do we want to keep in there? And what, what is just stuff that other people are expect other people's expectations is a huge barrier to us living authentic lives it's probably the biggest to be honest with you yeah and so going through that process of sitting down and working i love doing values work with people it's just one of the most inspiring exciting things that i do people leave going wow these are the things that are important to me and and this is how now i'm going to make decisions about my life about what's important to me and so Clearly for you, Lucy, you're saying you're tired, but I think that this show is really important to you yeah. at the moment. Yeah. And it may not always be. Your That's values right. change. Yeah. Values are like a globe. We say values are kind of like a globe and we can't, the sun can't shine on the whole globe mm. at one time. Mm. So different values like that. kind of move mm. in and move out of importance. Yeah. But it's it's let's let's be conscious and present in our life and let's make decisions about what we want to be about, what's important to us. And get a balance um, in all of those those value realms. And Emma, can I say how that Im- important that is in sleep? Oh, because yeah. one of the things that used to happen to me when I was suffering insomnia, and I've seen this in other people that I've spoken to with sleep problems, because it often comes up in dentistry mm. when we when we're discussing problems with people's teeth. Amazing how often we talk about sleep. And one of the things that I found, and I find in people, is this going to bed with a backpack full of issues and problems and you haven't even discerned which of those are really are true problems, are your problem, how many of them belong to somebody else and how many of them actually aren't important because we haven't sat down and worked out what is our, what are our values, mm. what is important to us, what do we want Who our life I? to be. Yes. What am I about? What do I want? We get to choose that. We like do. That's what's so amazing. Like we actually get to choose. I don't know that a lot of people realise that because we're all kind of people are keeping up with the Joneses or they're trying to get ahead at work. Or, yeah. And I, I've, I have an amazing gentleman that I've worked with and he's probably the best case of this and he won't mind me sharing a little bit of his story. But he his life has, has changed completely from the career that he was to now. He used to make a lot of money. He was very well respected, went through a period of mental illness. He's now doing something very different. Um, and he has never, ever been happier. And it took him a long time to get there. Yeah. But he said, Emma, I, I now am me. I get to be me. I don't know what I was doing before. Yeah. I was doing all these things that people would give me a lot of praise for and doing all this great stuff. But I was not at all happy. It's super important that we work out what who we are. I, I, I Again, this is something, that's not 101 I say to my young people, uh, date yourself. Get to know who you are. You know, what What are the expectations that are put on you by others and what actually matters to you? So I can't say that without living it myself. So I sat down and I had worked out what my priorities are. My husband said to me, what are the things that only you can do? And it's not only you can do for yourself. It might be only you can do for another. But what are the things that only you can do? And what could you 
outsource? What can you support another to do? So you're Delegate, still yeah. part of it, but you're delegating, you know, the actual minute by minute. So yeah. really at every age, we every need to age. date ourselves. Absolutely. I would say from the moment you start walking, check out your swagger, check out your <laughs> sassiness <laughs> and let's hone that because, you know, um, <laughs> we haven't actually talked about libido yet. We think we might just quickly touch on that. But you can understand if you go to bed man, woman, whatever, with all of that backpack of ideals, expectations, beliefs, um, worries, your, your entire day's worries comes into bed with you, that's not attractive. It really is not. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's not. And you don't switch on and switch off. I mean, we don't need to go into details, but you can't stop, you can't stop what you've done in your day or in your moment and switch off and say, okay, now I'm the lover. Now I'm the business person. You know, you bring all of that. If you're rough in your work and you can be rough at home without knowing that it's different. Oh, uh, I think it, like, I know for me, sleep for me is like the biggest thing. If I don't sleep, like I just feel like I actually feel terrible. Yeah. I feel so bad. And then I'm, you know, I've got kids, I'm working, I've got a bad, like, you just feel bad. And you yes. don't, you, you can't can, turn you can it on mean, all of a sudden. But yeah. You can be mean yes. during the day. Yes. And then yes. your relationship stuff, and you're not even trying to be mean. It's no. just you, you I, my husband says my tone, and I don't even notice it, but yeah. I'm just tired. Short. Short, short. Yeah. I'm answering the questions, but I'm not. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so the relationship suffers even yes. before. You're going to bed. Yes. Yeah, making love is something that starts far away from the bedroom. Correct. Oh, absolutely. Totally. As you, as your husband has pointed out to you, the tone and the way you are interacting yes. leads to anything that follows from that. And as you say, it can break down relationships without us necessarily knowing because the what has become our normal, the snappiness, which I would agree, I, I think I do that when I'm under the pump and I haven't had enough sleep, I will get short. So I'll, as far as I'm concerned, I'm ticking all the boxes for everybody who needs something from me. Yeah. But I'm also saying, right, I'm going to deal with that quickly. Now could you go away? And it's not I'm just even level. the snappy tone. It's the way we look at each other or the way mm. we don't look at each other. Mm. And I know when I'm tired, I, I just don't take that level of responsibility with how I, how I even look at someone. Do you think it's because you know that you're actually not being very nice? So if you look at them, Correct. you will have to own the fact that you. <laughs> I have to I'm not see. going to use the B I T C H word, but you know you're not being too crash hot. Yes. Well, one thing for me too is, you can wash your makeup off at the end of the day. You can put your moisturizer on. You can take off your clothes, and you can have a shower, and you can put on your pajamas. But. You, what you take into bed is still everything about how you've lived that day. Mm. And then you sleep in that. Then you wake up or you don't sleep in that, mm. more to the point. Then the wake, you wake up the next day and you're still in that same state. It feels like a hangover. That's what it sounds like too. It just when you've just described that, I feel like you wake up in the hangover of the way you've lived the day before. Oh, uh, there. Yes. Yeah, that's a really good way of phrasing it. So, uh, we're going to go to another song now. Uh, then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about sleep hygiene. Would you believe we are in the last half hour? So, we're going to talk about what 
we're going to talk about, we've talked about what stops us sleeping. We're going to talk about quality over quantity. What does a good sleep routine look like? And I want to leave you with a quote by Leonardo da Vinci, which equates how we start and end our day with how we might start and end our life. You know, that actually, as we go to sleep, it's the end of something and the start of something. So um, he said, as a well-spent day brings happy sleep, so a life well-spent brings happy death. Have a think about that. And we'll come back after this next song um, and community servant announcements and talk about it a little further. We're going to have uh, Robbie Boyd and Whole Love just after this community service announcement. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. We have been talking sleep this morning and um, I am so blown away by um, what I have learned from both Emma and Rachel. Um, Rachel touched on something that I feel is how we will start this next section. You spoke about the way we run our day as being the foundation that we take into our night's sleep. Correct, yes. Now, when uh, we're going to finish by giving some top tips and I actually think that I'm going <laughs> to... I am going to be rebellious. I'm going to say my top tip now because it's... <laughs> I, know, I know. Of course, it's the I know. best. <laughs> no, I know. She I, can't hold it back. And I'm, and I'm just in charge. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. It's your show. I'm so rebellious, so rebellious. I think that's why I work so well with teenagers. What can I say? But there's that, there's that bit that... I, my, the things that I do to help my sleep all start in the morning, which is why I'm going to share them. See, there's method in my rebellion. When I get out of bed and take my night clothes off, which happen to be PJs, I put them, we happen to be lucky enough to have a heated towel rail. I will put them on the heated towel rail and every single day that I do, I say to myself, no matter what happens in my day, this these pajamas are what I come back to and how I put them here will hold me regardless of how good or bad my day is. So I have good and bad on exactly the same level, but my PJs, how I how I leave them this morning is how I come back to them. Gorgeous. Mm, lovely. May, and it, you know, some, some days I've had really hideous things happen. Um, some of them in my control, some of them out of my control where I've been supporting someone who's had a massive issue in their lives. Um, it might be violence, it might be drugs, alcohol. But every night I come back and I just know that that's the end of that day. I do not take that to bed with me because I can feel the gift that I gave myself in the morning by just saying this is my... This is my sleep time. It's my bedtime. And sometimes I'll put my PJs on at six o'clock in the evening when the end of my work day has happened. That is now my time and my prep. Gorgeous. There you go. Mm. I love that. So it's like we can start our next day, even as we go to sleep, can't we? We can say that's the end of the day. I'm going to start preparing for almost a different day you know you're talking the globe and where the sun's shining oh yeah Mm. it's almost like the when you if you can go through the process of letting go of whatever you've picked up in your day that almost starts a new cycle Mm. yes yep i mean i'm kind of working it out on the run here because it's just what we've spoken about today and what you've both shared that's made me making me look at it in a in a you know is it a whole um, opportunity bedtime 
and how how who's to say how early that starts? Oh, a lot of people a lot of people journal before they go to bed. A lot of my little ones um, they have like a little worry box that we make together in session, or they have a little worry book, and even adults they'll have a journal, and it's just to put that put that in there mm. before I go to bed, and then it's there, and that's kind of put away then, and I don't have to. I don't have to think about it anymore mm. because I've put it away in my worry box or in my journal. And it's kind of like what you're saying. It's then you go into bed without all of that from the day. It's yeah. like you're cleaning yourself out because you described that earlier in the interview about washing oh, yeah. washing the, wash the, the chemicals out, putting yeah. yourself through a wash cycle. Mm. One, one thing for me that's changed my relationship to sleep, and I think a lot of people will relate to this, I used to take on everyone's worries. I thought that was what you meant to do, that you basically, if you care about your job, you take on everyone's problems and you try and fix them. So, of course, I'd end up at the end of the day chock-a-block full of everyone's problems uh, on top of my own issues. And that's what I was taking into bed with me. And so one of the things I would suggest is for anyone who's got sleep problems, just have a look, just notice what you're doing during the day? What are you What are you taking on? It's boundaries, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Having having healthy boundaries. And what are you making your problem that actually isn't your problem? We often talk about boundaries being a discipline issue with young people about you know making sure that they know what's right and wrong and what your boundaries in your house are. But personal boundaries. That's what you picked up on here. What are our personal boundaries? Rather mm. than someone imposing a boundary on us, what are ours? And they're emotional and physical. Like, so I, I choose who touches my body. No one tells me who can touch my body and who can't. I choose that. Yeah. Um, much as the press might sometimes say otherwise. <laughs> mm. um, you know, it's our choice. Yes. So the same with the emotional the emotional uh, boundaries. What are we taking on of someone else's stuff? Yes. What of someone else's worries or someone's expectations of us are we taking on? Children um, feel expectations from school, from parents, from their friends. Yep. Not and some and actually take them on as their own. But sometimes detaching and asking, well, are they really yours? Yeah, absolutely. And that's any age again as well, isn't absolutely. it? Absolutely, really? absolutely. Because a lot of people have made a career of carrying other people's worries and then they see their sleep problems as somehow separate. Mm. That yeah. There's something wrong with me because I can't sleep, but they're not seeing that the sleep problem is actually a symptom of not defining who you are and holding that as very important and in fact very precious and worth taking care of, worth preserving in fact and not just filling it to the brim with anything and everything from everybody else. Do you think, putting it out there for you both here, <laughs> do you think that when we fill ourselves, because you have both used this expression about filling yourself and unpacking and backpack and stuff like that, is there, a, is there something inside us that needs some other people's stuff sometimes to make ourselves feel valued that we when we feel when we don't have that we feel a little bit empty and it's that emptiness that we're self-medicating whether it you know when we go back to what Herman has said about sensitivity 
that we are all actually incredibly sensitive. So if we feel people's expectations, are we using a medicine, uh, whatever that may be, alcohol, sugar, um, behaviours, to mask that we actually are not coping with what we're feeling? Yeah, that, that kind of comes down to the psychology behind sleep. Mm. Because there's a lot of... Yeah, a lot of our behaviours are driven by core belief stuff, Mm -hmm. which is kind of where what you're talking about leads to is why do I behave the way that I behave? Um, And and what belief is it acting on or what need within me is it kind of feeling? Um, And and a lot of us sacrifice our personal boundaries because we're trying to meet our... It it usually comes down to some kind of version of the not good enough story. I think, Lucy, you said that So like an emptiness. We feel empty. Or just not good enough. Yeah. Everyone's got that story. Some people at different levels than others. And lots of times we take on other people's stuff. I I used to do that as a young kid um, because I thought I'd like to help others and do things for others because I didn't think people would like me for any other reason. Yeah. Yes. and then it just becomes a habit, doesn't it? Absolutely. And, and so you then get, you're an adult yeah. and you're working as a psychologist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and you get reward when you're growing up. Oh, you're such a healer. You're such a wonderful influence. You know, you, you always manage to make things, you know, smooth down and stop that argument and help. So you get a lot of reward for being the peacemaker and for, you know, listening to people's problems. And, I, mm. you know, as an adult... Um, I mean, you clearly have good boundaries and you clearly worked through it all. But as a child, I don't know, any attention's good attention. I definitely was in the camp of let me solve your problems. Mm, it's acceptance. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But then it's the way it starts to play out when you get older. It's, it seems that when we're younger, somehow we cope with that, mm. more or less. Yeah. But then you get into adulthood and you have a whole bunch of health issues. Yeah. Sleep being one of them and, and in some cases having to medicate ourselves, be it with coffee, um, alcohol. social media, alcohol. alcohol before. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely mm-hmm. alcohol is medication. Um, and the only way we can actually get ourselves to sleep because we're taking that poor body to bed overloaded. So I would, having picked up on but what both of you are saying, maybe that process of having a shower at the end of the day where you cleanse or a bath where you cleanse your day. It's like maybe it's where you write your diary. Maybe there's a physical, maybe yeah. it's taking off your clothes. Maybe if you don't like having a bath or a shower at night, it's just literally as I take off these clothes, I take off my day. Um, but a shower can really wash yes. that off you. Oh, yeah, and it's lovely and warm and if you're using sort of lovely soaps and that kind of stuff the most one of the most important things that psychologists promote around sleep is um a sleep wake cycle schedule Mm. so going to bed and waking up at sort of a similar time like give or take half an hour either side because i don't know if you ladies are like me but during the week when i have to get up i could easily sleep for another hour come the weekend my eyes are awake at six yep. it's like yeah. I could sleep in today but so the idea really is is that our body does have its own natural rhythms and if we can kind of have a bit of a cycle and yes. stick to that um do you know one of the things I've actually done is eliminate sleeping in mm. yes I treat every day the same yep so I get up the same time on a Sunday even though it's the one day I don't go to work 
um, I wake up at the same time. Yeah, well, that's the idea. Yeah, and you'll mm. be pleased to know that the Times has agreed with both of you. Oh, and right. that's in the article. <laughs> it of must why be right. Asked me to pop time. They taught so, me well at university. They did. They did. <laughs> um, a proper bedtime, you will have better sleep if your body is expecting to go to sleep at. Um, Eleven, but it actually I won't go into that. But it talks about the importance of waking up at the same time every day, regardless of um, of what you uh, need to do that morning. Because if you go back to sleep, you actually it makes it worse. You've, you you yeah. get a sleep yes. hangover. Couldn't oh yeah, more. you can feel terrible. Yeah. So it's better if you normally get up at seven o'clock, get up at seven o'clock every day, yeah. and just. It's about taking your day slower. If you don't need to be in full-on action all day, then come to a slightly uh, more sedate way of living where you're just uh, just moving a bit more consciously, a bit more gently. And You've touched on something there. Ah. Very, very strong for me. Yeah. So this is a little bit of a digression, which I apologise for. But one of the things I see, and I'm sorry, ladies, it's very common in us, is this strange thing with oral hygiene with women where they bash the living daylights out of some of their teeth uh-huh. and don't brush other teeth. And when you talk and you sort of reveal this to people and ask them what's going on, what you discover is they're doing everything hell for leather mm. and they're doing nothing... If not, I don't like the word properly because I don't like putting another burden, but nothing's given the care that it needs. Or a health, so, healthy pace, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Pace. And what you've touched on, Lucy, is that idea that there is actually a natural ebb and flow in the day. There are times when we have more energy, we're more vital and we can do more. Mm. And there's a pace that goes with that, a beautiful rhythm that goes with that. Then at other times of the day, there's another kind of pace. But I'm seeing a lot of people that if you gave them a pace it's like literally they've got some manic <laughs> drummer it's just you know it's like a salsa rhythm from the minute they get up in the morning until the minute they go to bed and then wondering while they're lying there with their eyes open yeah with this crazy pulse going through their body yeah it's like meditation and sleep you know you don't you don't just go to a red light when you're driving your car and just slam on your brakes because you see a red light you get an orange light to warn you that there is a red light coming. You know, that's our sleep. That's our stop. You slow down gently yes. to get to that stop. We can apply the same logic, yep. you know, to whether it's a, coming to a meditation or whether it's coming to a, um, a red light or our sleep. Or, dare I say, at the end of our life and, 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 our, and our death. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, we slow down. Our body says it, there's a slow down process. So if we employ what you were talking, Emma, about the the way of looking, and we're, we're in our building phase here. So if we look at the way, if someone gets a, a round circle, they draw a circle for themselves, they could compartmentalize their day. And one of the things they could look at are what rhythm each of their day, each part of their day holds. So what's your wake up time look like, you know? That could be one of two. If you wake up late, it's going to have a different rhythm to if you wake up and make sure that you're up and you've got an hour and a half to leave versus 10 minutes to leave the house, different rhythm. So you've got to choose what, maybe have one that says what you're currently doing and one that says what you're going to do from today. 
Yeah, what your ideal would be. What your ideal would be, but the ideal with a plan to put it into action, not to beat yourself up with. Be flexible with it. Yeah. I think think the most important thing about sleep to remember, one of the most helpful things that I've ever experienced, actually probably the most, most helpful, like sleep is a natural thing. The yeah. body knows it will do it. what it needs to do. <laughs> Unless you have a, a sleep disorder and there's some sleep disorders that really affect you and get in the way. But so for me, I so I do a lot of meditation, but there's a particular app that I use that has a sleep kind of meditation on it. And the first time I heard it and listened to it, there's a there's a point where um, where the, the the gentleman who's doing the exercise said just remember that, uh, no, he says, don't try to go to sleep. You don't need to try to go to sleep. Um, you, you know, you, your body knows what it needs to do. Just know that while you're lying there, your body's getting the rest that it needs. Mm. And from that moment on, I have like, because a lot of people's difficulties with going to sleep is that sleep anxiety. Yeah, oh, you I'm try awake so if I don't hard. go to sleep now. I'm trying. Mm. We don't have to try to go to sleep. It's like with so many things in life, what we have to do is unlearn a lot of stuff and yeah. get out of the way <laughs> of the natural processes. Yeah. Yes. So now when I'm lying there at three in the morning, I'm not anxious about that anymore. I just lie there and my body's resting and yeah, my mind might be going, but I'm not adding to that. Yes. So I'm not distressed anymore. I am absolutely, what I can tell you from that moment, it was really quite profound for yeah. me. Yes. I've never been anxious again about being awake. I feel a little bit frustrated at times, yeah. but then I kind of notice, oh, there's that frustration, but I don't need to feel frustrated because I'm still resting. So you feel the feeling... And you choose to just acknowledge it rather than react to it. And oh, it's our a, reaction yeah. of the feeling that actually can keep us awake longer and make it harder to... It's, to our, it's our relationship with mm. our feelings. So that's a very mindful kind mm. of approach to mm. managing that sort of thing, thoughts and feelings, is just to kind of notice and name them mm. and not get caught up in them. I often wake at that time and um, I get a sense of whether I'm going to get out of bed or not. But I I find it amazing to do a meditation and just feel different parts of my body and what is a bit stressed and what isn't. And that's where I developed the relationship with my nervous system, Mm. where I could feel, oh, I'm already vibrating as if if there's an issue. And yet I've just woken up and there's clearly no issue. So I, I would just stay in bed to try and get below that. Sometimes I'd fall back asleep. But it was a conversation I developed in the early morning with my body. That's one I relate to very much so. Mm. And what, what I discovered, Lucy, I'd lie in bed feeling myself vibrating. And I guess my top tip, I'm being rebellious No, too. no, top tip time. Top it's tip time. Yeah, last 10 minutes. So, so my top tip would be let yourself feel the anxiousness and don't judge it. Because yeah. I was judging myself. Mm. I'd got something wrong that I was feeling this way. And I hit a point of going, hold on. I was anxious from the time I was a little girl. So, and nothing had really been done about that. Mm. So could I be surprised that as an adult, I'm lying there feeling incredibly anxious. So I started to actually get really kind with myself. And... And taking away that layer of judgment actually helped the nervous system. And even today, I still have that tendency, that pattern to get anxious. Uh, but I, I look on it now as I would look on someone else. So if someone came to me and they said, Rachel, I'm really anxious, my first thing would be to be supportive of them and to 
to, depending on how much support they wanted, and advise them to get professional help or do whatever they needed to do for their anxiousness. I wouldn't judge them or berate them. So if I'm willing to do that for someone else, I need to do that for myself. Yeah. Emma, what would be your top tip? It's probably probably that one that I just said is, yeah, get out of the way of your body. Yep. Really. Mm-hmm. But, but for different people, it's different things that are in the way. So... Yeah, putting your worries down, you know, having a, having that sleep sleep cycle routine, um, having some things that you do that let your body know you're going to bed. But so we really want to say, don't don't beat yourself up if you you can't you're not going to fix it in one night. You've taken a long time to get mm-hmm. here. It may take a little while to get out. Manage your expectations. Be really kind and gentle on yeah. yourself. Don't worry about not sleeping because right. then distress starts. Yes, and we want to. We want to then do something to change that distress. Yes. And we might reach for pills or like other types of drugs and that sort of thing. So just kind of be okay with the fact that you're awake. Yeah. Yeah. Even though you don't want to be. Yeah. And during the the day when you're in your more active mode, maybe write down the things that, that maybe write down something about your rhythm, what, what kind of rhythm you feel you're in, maybe do that chart. Maybe write down what your concerns are before bed so that you have a routine early of, of putting them down so that you don't actually start triggering them <laughs> before mm. you go to sleep. Maybe get some counselling help. And, you know, Wattleseed Healing Centre is one of the places that you could go. But maybe go to your doctor and, and ask for a sleep test for, so you can find out if you have sleep apnea. Do, you know, I always talk in this show about the support that is available in the community and we need to be the people that reach out for that support. Support doesn't always come to us. We have to be the one that instigates that in our own lives. Um, When I looked at the... uh, a lot of the sleep foundations and when they talk about sleep hygiene, they talk about going to bed at the same time each night and getting up at the same time each morning. It's, It's that Pavlov dog... Mm. Pavlov's dog's um, way of, you know, you teach your body a routine because your body really likes routine. Yes. Avoid large meals before bedtime. You don't want to start a a physiological process before bed. So start, you know, if you can eat at six o'clock, eat at six o'clock. And if that means that you are just crawling by 7.30, go to bed. Just go to bed. Yeah. Yes. Your body is clearly saying, actually, I'm really tired. I just want to sleep. And uh, don't, don't reach for the sugar. Record the TV program or catch it up on some kind of catch-up service. You don't... Your life is not going to be better because you managed to watch that episode. You're, you're, you probably will be awake at five o'clock in the morning and watch it again then. A lot of parents will say to me and a lot of my friends say, but I want to have me time when the kids yeah. are in bed. But do you know what? Like maybe if you go to sleep now... Yes. Tomorrow, instead of walking around in a fog yeah. all day and kind of staring in the moments when you're not actively engaged in something, yeah. those staring moments you could collate to an alert Ooh, half hour. I like it. And watch half a show or have your me yes. time then. You yes. know? If you're fresh yeah. and alert the next day, you're going to be so much more effective, going to be able to manage your time a lot better and enjoy the moments. Yeah. So maybe well said, me Emma. time happens during the day, not actually yeah. at the end of the day and the end of the day's bed. I would also propose that the more you, the less tired you are, the more you realise there are me times everywhere. Oh, correct. And me actually times. it's the not me times that are adding to the issues. 
Um, so you just that becomes your normal, and then you don't resent other people for not getting your me time. Yeah. Avoid caffeine and alcohol close to bedtime. Sugar, high complex carbs, things that your body's going to have to process. Um, you know, alcohol is a depressant. Caffeine is a stimulant, but both of them affect the physiology. Um, and avoid nicotine. Because I, I didn't realize, but that is obviously, I mean, if you've got sleep apnea, disaster. Mm. But for good sleep, it's affecting all of your 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 breathing space. So mm, yes. it, it will help as well. And yet I know many who that's the last thing they do at night. Yes. Is have a cigarette. Have a cigarette. Or if they can't sleep, they'll get up and have a cigarette. Exactly. Mm. But it's a stimulant, you it know. And, and you're losing oxygen. Yes. That small thing that we kind of need in our lives. And I think you, I think you're putting two thousand. I think there's two thousand different chemicals in a cigarette, mm-hmm. including rat poison. But yeah, we won't go there. Let's let's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's five minutes to the end of the show. Let's open not that open that can, that can of worms. <laughs> so considering we are in our day contributes to our sleep and brings an enormous amount of responsibility, which means. We need to look at the quick fixes we're looking at rather than looking at true lasting change. When we get honest about how we are in our day, then we can bring true change in our evening perhaps. It's, it, we have to look at this when we have young children and at the different stages in our lives and know that what the, we always talk in this show about you know what reflection are you giving the young people in your life. If you prioritise your sleep they will prioritise theirs. If you don't fall asleep on the sofa, they won't consider that as normal to fall asleep on the sofa. They'll go to sleep when they're tired as well. Now, the song we've got to go out of the show today is um, one I love. It's one that just um, I listen to in the car, which isn't very helpful because it makes me want to go to sleep in the car. <laughs> but it, it's, it's called Something Very Still. Um, from a an album called Heaven's Joy. I played it a fair bit. I've played the album um, last week as well for International Women's Day because they really do uh, sing songs about about celebrating yourself as a woman and slowing down. But this this song really gets me about stillness and something that actually I think you feel quite a lot at night. Something that we perhaps run away from, and yet. The magic that comes from stillness is a rejuvenation that can support us in the next part of our day or the next job that we have to do. So before I go to that, I want to thank you both for bringing such a wealth of wisdom from your bodies and from your studies and from your work and just bringing it all into this room. Emma, thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me again, Lucy. Ah, we'll be back. (laughs) And Rachel, welcome back. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much, Lucy. And we'll go again. I mean, it's just, you're a wonderful pairing because what you have helped everybody with is some really practical tools that they can take away. So if you would like to hear the show again, um, I probably will listen to it another three or four times because, you know, it gives me quite a lot of tips. Um, I will have that up on the website by the end of the day. Now remember, regardless of what has or is happening in your life, you are and always will be you, and you are amazing. The key is to reconnect with that space and learn to build a relationship with your body so you can recognize what your body is trying to tell you when something isn't quite right, and then seek support with the appropriate 
support service, be that mental or physical health. We really have spoken about that a lot in today's show. There are subtle signs that we need to listen to that can alleviate some of the larger problems we get to. And look for the support in the community. It is there. As I was uh, highlighting earlier, the podcast for today's show will be available through the Stay in the Loop with Lucy website and on SoundCloud. And if you want to get updates, then just remember to like the at Stay in the Loop with Lucy web page um, or the uh, blog page and links to all of those spaces are available on the Triple H show homepage for Stay in the Loop with Lucy. Next week's show is a conversation with Nazrin Azizi and Edwin about what it is like to come to a strange country and make it your home. It's very appropriate because Harmony Day is coming up and I don't know how good we are at being harmonious as a community or how much we tolerate refugees and asylum seekers. And I think we need to have a bit of a, a, a conversation about how similar we all are and um, Nazrin works for Ability Links and Settlement Services International and does extraordinary work within the community with a lot of the more vulnerable members and helping them settle in a country where not only is it different looking, it's different, it sounds different too. And what the magic she brings, I hope I will be able to capture on the radio next week. I do hope you will make an appointment to join me next Sunday. Uh, or listen to the recording on the Stay in the Loop with Lucy website. Till next week's show, uh, remember to take a moment to look after you, connect with the amazing people in our community, be kind, be caring, be love, be all of you. You've been listening to Stay in the Loop with Lucy on Triple H 100.1 FM.